to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Jay Kokorowski here. It's been a while, folks. Apologies for the delay in uh, not making this a consistent podcast lately. We've had a lot going on. We'll talk about that going on, uh, what's going to happen to this podcast in just a little bit, uh, probably about another 30 minutes or so, half hour. Uh, we got a pretty big show coming up for you today. Uh, we want to do some recaps. Owen Reese is down in Mobile, Alabama. We'll be talking with him in just a couple of minutes, uh, probably about another five to ten minutes or so, talking about Alec Ingold, Bo Benchwell, and Michael Dieter down uh, in the Senior Bowl and their performances, and plus he interviewed them. So you're going to hear actually four interviews on today's show, and uh, you'll also hear from Micah Potter, the Ohio State transfer for the basketball squad, the men's team. Uh, we talk, spoke with him earlier this week on Monday. We're going to play that interview Coming up, just talking about his journey to Madison and what stood out, why he chose Wisconsin, but on top of that, what he's doing to prepare Nate Reavers, Ethan Happ, and others for games as a member of the scout team since he has to sit out this season. So I am Jake Kokorowski again. Thanks, guys, for making some time to listen. And uh, real quick, uh, we'll hopefully in the next day or so have another podcast just really dedicated to the basketball team we'll hopefully get a guest on talking about uh just what um transpired obviously wisconsin's won two in a row their last win was last night uh, we recorded on thursday so wednesday night against illinois 72 60 and probably the ugliest 12 point win i've seen uh and that's uh 17 turnovers Foul trouble in the second half, which you can blame the players. You could blame the refs from what you you saw there. Uh, but monster game from Nate Reavers, 22 points, 7-11 shooting. Hit all six free throws on the top of that, uh, 10 rebounds. His first career double-double. And on top of that, he also had a, a block uh, and, and assist as well. So big game from him. Uh, you know, we'll talk more about his progression development in big 10 plays averaging over 11 points per contest. And he's shooting over 40% from three point range on top of being 54% from the field. So that's huge. I mean, looking at that game too, I think what's more impressive to four starters, not named Ethan Hap scored double figures, uh, in points and Hap obviously had a big game in terms of just all around nine points, nine rebounds, uh, six assists, uh, also six turnovers. So then he does again need to clean up. And it's uh, it, when Wisconsin struggles and that game looked like a trap game, looked like it could have gone the Illini's way where early on where you had those, was it at uh, like seven at 1.5 turnovers within four, 407 mark and only two baskets uh, that in the first half uh, went to at 1.7 field goals and seven turnovers uh, during the game, you know, during that first part of the game. So really, you know, the team overcame, which is a good sign of maturity that there's that they're winning games that maybe last year they'd lose. So that's huge. And uh, on top of that, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Wisconsin 
Uh, it really just, you know, what proceeds, they play Northwestern this weekend, Saturday, it's 1.15 p.m. tip-off. I'll be there down at the Kohl Center. Uh, but, you know, really, uh, without further ado, uh, let's, you know, I recap this game. Let's get to Micah Potter. I, I want to keep this podcast succinct, short, sweet for you guys. I really want to get to this interview with Micah. I really appreciated his time, and he really dove in a lot to what, you know, just his decision and, and just really kind of broke down uh, the game uh, and, and just what he, how he prepares and, and his mentality each practice. And I think what you'll see coming up next season, uh, starting right now, technically with that, uh, you know, after that fall semester, it's going to, he'll have to, he'll be eligible in December after the first semester is done. And he'll be, you know, he has got basically three semesters to play for Wisconsin uh, or, you know, for, for eligibility. So the full 2021 season, and then whatever you got, uh, potentially the spring 2020 semester, he's, UW did confirm to B5Q, by the way, that they are, re, you know, that there there's a plan to apply for a waiver to get him to play for the full season for next year, which would be 2019-2020, but we'll see if that goes through. Uh, but I'll stop talking. Here is Micah Potter talking to me earlier this week on Monday here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. We're here with Micah Potter, one of the newest Badgers, and how is it? Just about a month since you've been here? How's, how's it feel being in Madison now? Yeah, I mean, it's I'm super comfortable already, and I've been telling everyone, like, the transition was about as seamless as it could be. I mean, even from day one, I came here, and I couldn't practice right away because I had to do, like, my, my physical and stuff like that. Uh, but the guys accepted me, and the coaches accepted me, and then the next day I was practicing, and I was felt like I was part of the team already. Um, and it's, so it's been very seamless. When it comes to that, too, I mean, are you guys are you planning on, I know you have to wait till the first semester next year, technically right now. Are you guys looking to do an appeals then coming up where so you could try to play for the full year then? Yeah, there is an appealing process, um, but I think uh, all those questions should go to Coach Gard because he's got all the inside information on that. Um, so, but yes, there is an appeal. I was going to say, when it comes to just how... Uh, this working with this team what are you seeing from I mean you're playing on scout team you're helping to get guys like Ethan Happ, Nate Reavers, you know Khalil, Charles Moore you know just giving them more experience and try to give them good looks like what's what's the responsibility on like a scout team like that to get to prepare them for each opponent yeah so obviously I've been in the league for the last two and a half years um, and so I know what it takes to I know the physicality and the speed of the game um, and so the biggest thing is just trying to emulate a game speed situation every single rep in practice. Obviously, I'm not playing, so practice are, practices are my games. So I try to make them a lot more competitive and try to be physical, try to play fast, try to play hard, um, and get these guys ready for the games. I was going to say, when you have a guy like, guys like Ethan and, and Nate, what do you see out of their skill sets that impress you or you know, stand out to you? Well, they just kind of complement each other very well. Ethan's more of an inside guy. Nate can obviously step out and shoot the ball. Um, and it's very hard to guard. I mean, when you got a high, low, big, you know, double big man like that, it's, it's hard to guard. So obviously Ethan's an All-American and he's got his, his finishing ability with both hands and his handling, like his ability to handle the ball with his size and his footwork is second to none in the country. And then obviously eight and eight, it's, I mean, when he does that pick and pop, he can get rid of that ball quickly. And he's got a really nice pump fake. So he gets you up in the air, he can drive past you, one dribble pull up, all that kind of stuff. So. It's, it's hard to guard, but it's it's fun because it's like giving me ideas of what I could do next year when I play. Is it hard for that matter, not having the ability to out suit up right away and get on that? I take it it has to be hard. Yeah. As a competitor, it's always hard. Um, and But, I mean, at the same time, I understand the role that I'm in right now. Obviously, I can't play. 
Um, and my role is to be the best practice player that I can be. And I treat practices as my games. I mean, so I try to make them really competitive. I try to play really hard and I try to play the scout as much as possible, but also kind of like just play, you know? Yeah. Obviously with different scouting reports, I'm gonna play different players and I try to emulate that as much as possible. But the biggest thing is just playing hard and being physical, emulating a game. I mean, with, with that, like, how much goes into what, you know, you see, you've played, like I said, you've played for Ohio State for two years, so you know what it takes to play in the conference. When you, a game like Michigan, like, are you, are you trying to coach up? Are you trying to like, put, put something in someone's ear while also, like, letting the coaches do that? What's your role then on the, on the bench like that where you're trying to either help navigate or, you know, and you're, you want to get, obviously you want to be in, but you can't. Yeah. The biggest thing is just being a good teammate, cheering on my teammates and, you know, trying to cheer them on to success. Obviously, if I, if I see certain things, because I've been playing against these guys, like John Teske, for example, the starting center for Michigan, I've known since I was, like, two years old like our grandparents were best friends back in college like our families are, have been very good friends for a long 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 time yeah so um just being able to give different tips because you know with i've known how to play against them for since you know my eighth grade year um so just giving them different tips if i see something and then just encouraging them being a good teammate and i was gonna say when it comes to you know, coming to mass what made you choose Wisconsin? what made you like kind of look look somewhere else to outside Ohio State and then what stood out to you when you came to Madison that made you ultimately want to become a Badger? Yeah the biggest thing I was looking for was fit um, obviously I wanted to go somewhere where I was going to fit with my skill set um, and then culture um, I, I mean Wisconsin's culture is I mean it's been established for a long time and so just the, the guys that you know that are here that I was going to be playing with the next two years and you know just being able to build relationships with that and like when I came on my official visit I mean I felt like at home. I mean, it just it stood out to me. The campus is beautiful. Obviously, it's a great basketball program, and the style of play fits my skill set perfectly. So it was pretty much a perfect fit. I was going to say, yeah, it, campus can be beautiful. A little cold right now <laughs> when it comes to Yeah, the but hey, it's cold, but it's sunny. In Ohio, it's overcast all the time, so it's cold <laughs> and then it's gray. At least we get some sun and blue skies here. All right, guys, you just heard from Micah Potter here on Bucky's fifth podcast talking about his journey to Wisconsin along with what he does in the scout team. And you guys saw the article also on Bucky's fifth quarter.com and be sure to check that out too. Uh, some yeah, really interesting tidbits on his end, uh, which I enjoyed uh, speaking with him, uh, but we, who I'm also enjoyed uh, who I enjoy talking to is one Owen Reese. He joins us live from Mobile, Alabama site, of course, of the Reese's senior bowl. And of course, three Wisconsin Badgers, Alec Ingold, Bo Benchwall and Michael Dieter are all taking part in the uh, the week-long festivities that which culminate with the Senior Bowl on Saturday. And, oh, and man, first off, you know, uh, we won't get into the temperatures and weather, just to, not to anger everybody that's uh, here in Wisconsin that's dealing with this cold weather while you while you have 50s down there. But what, uh, what's been the overall impression, man, about what, uh, what's happened, uh, you know, what's been going on with Wisconsin and just overall with the Senior Bowl? Oh, uh, yeah, it's been good. Um, I know a couple days ago – Senior Bowl director Jim Nagy, let's see if I can pull the tweet up here, uh, tweeted something. He said that um, he said, I've lived all over the country and there's just something about people from Wisconsin generally just cool and down to earth. Senior Bowl is glad we got Badger football players, Michael Dieter, Bo Benshaw, and Alec Ingold down to Mobile this year. Um, so as far as the Senior Bowl, they're happy to have the guys. Um, they're all in the North team, which is being coached by the Oakland Raiders. Um, and they've done well, I think, uh, most notably, I guess, and in, in, as far as the offensive line go in particular, uh, full disclosure, I haven't watched a ton of Alec Ingold during practice. I typically follow around the offensive and defensive lines. Um, so what I see of Ingold is, is during team sessions. But um, 
The biggest takeaway typically for offensive and defensive linemen here at the Senior Bowl is one-on-one pass rush and one-on-one like run fit drills. Um, And that's where the competition is, and that's where a lot of the, I guess, quote-unquote victories or losses are. Uh, Obviously, I think it's important to know that these still are practices, but uh, it's it's a a tangible way. It's a a somewhat game-like environment. Uh, for these for these players to compete in, and something a couple things to keep in mind. One, offensive line, defensive line, one on one pass rush is a defensively geared drill. Um, it's it's obviously five on five, but they go one at a time. Defensive players have like two way goes on almost every rep. They can go they can go inside or outside. They don't have a gap responsibility, um, and it's a it's a simply an, like an island a one-on-one pass block not like the um like a lot of like five and six man protections and slide protections and stuff that they'll have in the game so keeping all that in mind the wisconsin offensive linemen did not play particularly well in those drills this week um and i guess that's that's nothing unforeseen the that's just not their game uh, michael dieter has probably performed a bit better than bo benshaw However, I, I wouldn't classify either's performance this week as anything above average or so in the one-on-ones. I know the first day in particular, Bo uh, Benchall was beat, I think, on every rep he had <clears throat> during the one-on-one pass rush stuff, which includes some different body types for sure. Uh, I know the North team is a bit more different that way than the South team is. They've got quite a few guys that are six foot six one and around 310 or so so kind of those thicker fire hydrant built guys uh that are pretty explosive and they've also got some some bigger the six five 285 pounds or so sometimes they play and sometimes they play three tech uh and then even i know uh ben shell faced against tcu's ben banigu um who is an edge rusher but oakland played at three technique a couple different times this week in one-on-ones so whether that's something that they are simply uh kind of trying out or not whether that's something that other teams have wanted to see uh that's been something too so Bo Benchall is not meant to be a one-on-one pass blocker against 250 pound defensive ends so when he gets beat by those guys I don't think there's much um concern there Dieter performed better but but certainly a bit of room for improvement was knocked on his butt twice this week, two different days by Charles Omenahu, the defensive end from Texas, who again is a much quicker, more explosive player um, that's playing inside for the sake of the drill rather than who Dieter would typically see lined up outside of him. Um, but regardless, it, it's a, it's a defensive drill. The offensive player is going backwards and the defensive player doesn't have much to keep in mind. Um, other than the snap count, they can try whatever type of rush they want. Um, they can, like I said, go inside and out. So typically it's more so an endorsement of an offensive lineman when he wins, therefore, or more than rather than like an indictment when they lose. Um, so from that standpoint, I think both players performed much more effectively during the team drills, which again is where they're going to succeed um or where they're going to be playing in and and it's a more advantageous successful position for them to be in so overall for the badgers i think it was fine um alec ingold is the only true fullback here but there isn't a ton of you know there's some that's a lot of outside zone uh lead blocking by him and and a lot of um 
leaking out into the into the flats as a fullback, which uh, is kind of their thing. So he's been fine. Um, the few times uh, they've thrown to him, he's caught the ball. I haven't seen him drop any passes, and um, so ball security is obviously a plus there. So I think there's probably a lot less for him to gain during the week, but also a lot less for him to lose. So I think overall it's been a successful week. I think the, the NFL teams aren't looking to – um, draft Wisconsin offensive interior, especially offensive linemen based on one-on-one pass block stuff. So um, despite the poor showing, I don't think that necessarily hurts either Michael Dieter or Bo Benchall. Gotcha. And I mean, when it comes to, and we'll break this, we have interviews, by the way, folks, <clears throat> that we'll be playing in, in just a little bit. We have three of them. That, you know, Owen did a great job talking with Alec, with Bo and Michael. So we'll be playing them intermittently. But let's just kind of break them down a little bit piece by piece. Like with, with Dieter, uh, where he played obviously all three positions on the, you know, on the offensive line or three positions on the offensive line, I should say tackle guard center. Uh, but you know, where, where are teams projecting him and, and, you know, like you kind of hit on it already, but uh, where, where are his strengths in your opinion? And, and where are some things that he needs to, to work on on that end? Right. So, um, and you'll hear in a little bit here with the interview, but uh, his freshman year, he started at left guard, his sophomore year, uh, he started at center his junior year. He was at left tackle and then senior year back at left guard. So he's, like you said, he's played a bit everywhere. You said 54 starts over 10 at each position. It's um, really rather impressive, but in my opinion, obviously as an offensive Wisconsin, excuse me, as a Wisconsin offensive lineman, Michael Dieter is a run blocker. That's a prerequisite. You don't make it on the field at Wisconsin if you're not an above average um, run blocker. So that's where he succeeded this week. He's not – he's a decent athlete um, for being a big guy, and I think it's going to help him. He weighed in at 304 pounds, so he's quite a bit lighter than he was when he was at Wisconsin. Um, so I think that will help him a bit with quickness. But, again, as a Wisconsin lineman, they typically struggle with quickness, um, and they're not great pass blockers. I think they certainly have the potential to develop into them. Um, but as we saw this week, fairly often – the Badger offensive linemen operate much more effectively moving forward than they do moving backwards. So I think they both need to improve in their pass protection. They need to trust their sets. I think um, I was watching some film this morning uh, with a couple uh, a scout from the Rams, as well as another member of the media here. Uh, and a lot of it was Michael Dieter, especially Dieter, um, is more so catching the defensive lineman in his reps rather than really getting a good punch and pass protection, which is a big part of it. And, and just some more consistency with his pass sets as far as um, doing a bit, he isn't using a ton of depth, which is cool. You cover up the defensive lineman quickly, but if you get beat, you don't have much room to recover. Um, so that, that was a bit of an issue that way for him. Um, I think he's fine. Something that he really needs to work on, or and he'll continue to be coached on it, obviously, is so at the first level, especially in the run game, he's typically fine. Um, but what happens is when he's like working combo blocks and he's getting up to the second level and stuff, he tends to get in a hurry um, and he tends to kind of stand up and lose leverage and then is unable to change directions as effectively, which results in him typically missing the linebackers at the next level. Um, and I'm sure he would would say the same thing, but when you're coached as an offensive lineman and you're coached, you're less athletic than the linebackers. So the less amount of time that you have to block them, the more advantageous it is for you. Um, so it might be a bit more advantageous for him to 
to be a bit more patient when climbing to the second level um, and kind of giving them a better target for, for the linebackers. But kind of one of those things that's obviously it's, it's, it's a new scheme they're, they're going through, obviously, and all of these players are, are playing in it. Uh, they haven't had these plays installed very long. They're not playing with common teammates. It's not like uh, he's playing at, at Wisconsin still. So that level of comfort and, and familiarity is down for everybody. So uh, things can be a bit sloppy at times during down here, and, and this week has been gotcha. no exception for that. Um, I, I think overall, I think he probably had the most, the better week of the two offensive linemen at least. But I think that um, he definitely represented himself well, particularly in the team drills. Gotcha. And uh, with that, here is Owen uh, from was it Monday that you had a chance to talk with him? I think it was Tuesday, 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 Tuesday morning. morning. I'm sorry. So here's Michael Dieter talking with. B5Q's Owen Reese here on uh, Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Here we are at the Reese's Senior Bowl here this year uh, with Badgers offensive lineman Michael Dieter. Um, obviously, we'll start with the basics. How does it feel to be down here? Good. I mean, just to get a chance to play with some of the best and get coached by NFL teams, it's, it's unreal. It's, it's definitely something I never thought I'd be able to do. So, I mean, just really happy and, and thankful to be down here. Um, and it's been a lot of fun, and it's been, it's been pretty interesting. I know, um, obviously, you and Bo came in the same class together, and um, got to be pretty special to both be down here. Both of you guys started, I think, it's 49 games together. Um, you obviously a couple more than him, but so how does that feel being down here? I know that, uh, like, being the guards, obviously, you played all over the place, but two full years at guard. How does that connection with between the two of you and then being able to come in the same recruiting class, come down here, both be on the same team? and, and uh, having your careers kind of end out this way. It's awesome because it just feels like we're playing football at Wisconsin again. It doesn't feel a whole lot different. He's still with my teammate. I mean, we're on the same team, and he's still playing guard, the opposite guard of me. So, I mean, not a lot has changed. And it's just comforting to have a guy that a familiar face, and, and all the guys are nice. You know, they're all friendly. We're all becoming friends. But it's, it's nice to have a guy that you've played 49 games with, you trust, um, you know, we can – hang out together and you know do whatever together just like we would in Wisconsin so it's super comforting to have a guy like that and then it just makes it that much more fun and that much more special Absolutely. The, at the uh, at the weigh-in today I was a little surprised you came in about 304 yeah. uh, little a is that is that been something I know that during the season we talked about it during the season that mm-hmm. um, talking about kind of if you can remain as strong as you were and as powerful but get a little quicker is that still the goal is trying to just yeah. kind of yep. erase the, the baby fat yep trying to be 305 310 that range um, 304 I was good with that but a little on the lighter side I'd say but nothing to be concerned about um, but yeah I want to stay around 305 to 310 I think that's just my best playing weight sure what, I guess uh, to wrap up here, what, what's your overall impression? Is this is this experience so far? Has it been has it been overwhelming? Um, has it been really gratifying? Is it kind of um, maybe a bit awe-inspiring at times? You can walk around the lobby. This is kind of uh, for those that aren't aware. It's kind of a unique situation and yeah. a unique environment when you walk into the the main ballroom where everyone's located. You can walk by Mike Mayock or John Gruden or somebody along mm-hmm. those lines. Is that is it more been like a uh, an experience that way or overwhelming with a lot for you guys to take in with interviews? Or? Um, it's been, I wouldn't say it's overwhelming, but it's been interesting. I mean, just the amount of stuff that we've done, um, whether it be interviews, you know, certain, just a ton of stuff. We've had a full schedule, which is cool. I mean, that's what you want. You want to be busy. You want to be doing stuff. Um, and then, like you said, you're walking past super important people, and then you're walking past really good players that you've heard about all throughout your years playing college football, and it's it's pretty surreal, and it's it's super cool. Um, it's definitely a little bit of a grind, but, I mean, that's part of it. It's, 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 it's a good grind, and it's a lot of fun. All right, one last question before we get out of here. Um, 
obviously you've played a lot of football up to this point. The NFL teams have a lot of uh, a lot of tape on you. Um, what's the one thing that maybe that you've heard from them as far as feedback that they'd like you to continue to work on um, moving towards the combine and then obviously up to the draft here? Um, a lot of working on center. Um, they all want me to play more center. Um, they want to see me snap stuff like that. Have you, um, as you, have you been told? Are you going to take snaps at multiple positions here sure this week? Yet. Don't. I'm, I'm definitely going to play left card, and I'm, I should be able to get some snaps at center. But we'll see. I'm not sure. And we're back on Bucky's fifth podcast. That's Michael Dieter. We'll get to Bo Benchwell in just a couple minutes. Oh, and I know you already mentioned this, that Bo kind of struggled a little bit. I, I've already heard the interview. I find it interesting talking about the bend, uh, and we'll. He, Folks, you'll hear that in just a second about him trying to bend, uh, improve on his bend as an offensive lineman. Uh, real quick before people hear about that, can you talk about just with Bo, what what, what he meant by that? Uh, as a, you're a former college lineman at Carroll University uh, here in Wisconsin, what what do they mean by the bend and, and that and what he you know? And folks, you'll hear about the improvement here, but just kind of more. I just want to give you guys kind of a a taste of what they really you know what. Bo was talking about, and, and Owen has that lineman expertise being a former college player. Sure. So what he's talking about, and I think if, if for those who are, are familiar, if they've watched the NFL Network with Michael Mayock, who's now the GM of the Oakland Raiders. Still weird, by the way. That's um, so weird. Yeah, we saw him Tuesday morning. It was super weird uh, to see him with the Raiders stuff on. Um, still said hi to us, though, so that was nice. cool. But anyway, so <laughs> what he's saying, what he's really referring to, and it's kind of just like a general like athleticism thing, but what happens is, is typically in a sp- super like elite athletes are have extremely like loose or flexible hips. Um, and for those of you that have ever squatted in a weight room or anything like that, or the farther you can go down with your hips without having to bend at your waist, um, the better. And I think that's something where um, Bo will need to improve on a bit. He's a bit stiff. He, and that's what they're talking about. So when you, our pass blocking or run blocking, like I said, leverage is obviously a big part of the goal. So when he, in order to, what I guess what he's referring to is it'll it continue to be um, improving the hip flexibility or the hip mobility. But what it is is for you to improve your leverage without sacrificing power by bending over at the waist. When you bend over at the waist, um, you give the defensive lineman a really good chance to throw you to the ground. Um, you're not in an advantageous position to recover on anything. And it's essentially, I guess, long story short, it's a good way to measure someone's athleticism um, or their ability to uh, play with good leverage without sacrificing some strength and power. And that's something where most college offensive linemen, um, and that's what that's what makes people that they'll call like a natural bender or whatever, where they drop their hips and bend their knee rather than um rather than bending at the waist uh that's what makes those really elite guys that good at it so um it's no it's certainly no slight or or issue to uh to bow but it's simply one of those things he needs to improve on that um becoming more athletic and, and having that ability to be more fluid in his hips it helps with the change of direction it helps with with being able to play with a lower pad level and being able to keep your, your chest up and your shoulders square and pass protection is a big part of it. Um, and then a lot of times in the run game, when you see guys kind of fall off of blocks, it's typically because they're leaning rather than being able to drop their hips and really kind of keep, keep their body with their hips through the blocks. So that's what he's talking about. Um, it's just really kind of general athleticism, but it's something that almost every offensive lineman in, in the draft 
um, or in the NFL continues to work on on a consistent basis. And it's a some more so a, a leverage thing, um, continue to strengthen his hips and make them more flexible. So um, that's, yeah. A, yeah, I guess that's, that's a big part of it. It's just a matter of um, creating a better opportunity for himself to be successful um, at putting, being able to put his body in, in advantageous positions. Right. And, and this for folks too, like something like Rick Wagner, um, when he came to Wisconsin, having that natural bend is something that when I worked on walk on this way is something that you, you talked to a couple of people, they mentioned that where he, Rick had a natural bend to himself and, and you saw that development there. And now he's one of the highest paid tackles, right tackles in the NFL, uh, for, for the Detroit lions. So, uh, that's what, yeah, that's what they talk about when it comes to <clears throat> the bends and, and that's why it's so important for, for linemen, uh, especially at the next level. But without further ado, here is Bo Benchwell. Talking to Owen Reese earlier this week on Tuesday uh, during some senior bowl player availability. You're listening to it here on Bucky's with Podcast. Here we are down in Mobile, Alabama again for the Se- Reese's Senior Bowl here with uh, Wisconsin guard Bo Benshaw. Um, how's the experience been? Obviously, it's a bit of a whirlwind for you guys. I know you guys get in and you've got interviews and weigh-ins and physicals and all that stuff. So how's that been so far, obviously, before practices even start? Good, yeah. It was a bit of a learning curve coming in, not really knowing exactly what to expect, but... But yeah, now that we're here, uh, it kind of slowed down, and you get the feel of things. Yeah, so our first practice today, and now we'll really start sure, getting sure. the ground. So uh, during weigh-ins, you were 307, I believe, yep. uh, lighter than you've been at Wisconsin. Was that something that you've been focusing on? I know um, Michael Dieter lost probably 20 pounds or 25 pounds, really, since the beginning of their junior year Yeah. yeah. Um, to now. So is that something that you as well have continued to work yeah, on? Yeah, definitely, just, just eating uh, better nutrition and really just trying to lean out, you know, uh, Muscles better than fat. Absolutely. Line. So yeah, definitely just trying to to improve on that, just to make whatever advantage I can. Absolutely. So um, I guess the average fan right now, or that's not a, even. There's a connection between guards. I think that unless you've done it, um, you're not entirely aware of. You and Michael played a lot of games together, obviously. A lot of them as the guards together, yep. I think 49 starts together. Um, so can you explain how that feels to be down here? Um, obviously, you guys came in in the same recruiting class, and to end up, obviously. You guys all end up dreaming to play in the NFL, but for you guys to really be as teammates, both at the premier college all-star game at yeah. the same position, can you explain what that's like? Oh uh, yeah, I mean it's we're blood brothers, so we've been through everything together, and this is just one more thing. So yeah, I'm definitely glad that he's here with me to uh, to bounce whatever off. You know, um, obviously you've done some interviews and stuff. Is there anything in particular? Obviously you're always trying to work on everything and, and become the best player you can. Is there one area in particular that either you or this offseason or, or scouts and in interviews have identified that there's something that they would like you to continue to work yeah, on? Yeah, definitely. Uh, just my pad level and my bending. Uh, so I've been working on my core strength and, and my hip flexibility. So, I'll, yeah, all that. It's, yeah, hopefully it'll help me out. This For week. sure. Um, what, I guess these, these practices are a bit different because um, obviously you're going to be playing against a different team um, this Saturday, but uh, you're playing against your own team this week, so it's a bit different. I guess, how do you feel about entering this environment where it's it's all the guys that are all conference, it's all the guys that are yeah. all Americans? You know, is that is that a bring the most out of you in this this competitive atmosphere? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, like you said, we're going against uh, the best competition in the country, so so yeah, it definitely makes you bring your A game because if you don't, you're going to get beat. If you get beat, you know, your draft stock just falls. So sure. yeah, you definitely. It definitely helps me uh, just, I guess, be motivated and, and make sure I'm bringing everything I got. All right, one more question. I'll get you out of here. So the fans and the media kind of see one side of Coach Chris. He can be a bit ornery and short at times and, and not always um, fully telling everything. What's something as a player that you saw with Coach Chris that, that the 
maybe that the fan, the average fan, or, or people that they don't see the side of Paul Chris that they don't see, because obviously all the recruits talk about how funny he is and how and, and how genuine he is. But obviously, it's a different a different side. What's something that fans don't know or wouldn't expect about Coach Chris that you have had the privilege of dealing with him as a player for five years? Uh, just that he's just an all around great guy. Uh, if he whatever feels like juice isn't going or something, he'll he'll fire you up and, and like say a joke or do something funny like that. So I think. That's the biggest thing that, that I liked about Coach Trace is that he was light, but at the same time, uh, got to work. We are back and wrap up this uh, show here. We got Owen Reese. We're going to play Alec Ingold and in, uh, the interview that Owen had with Alec in just a little bit. We had a lot of interviews on this show today, Owen, so that's always fun uh, here on uh, Bucky Smith Podcast. And uh, we have uh, some exciting news we'll talk to you guys about uh, after we talk to Alec. But really, just, you know, uh, with what does it mean? in your opinion, with Alec, having him have that ability to be the lone fullback in Mobile and having NFL teams. I mean, the tweet that Jim Nagy had about uh, when they pulled half the NFL teams that they all had a, a draftable grade on him. What does that mean in, in, in today's NFL? You, you cover the NFL too and you watch it. What does it mean for, for the state of the NFL with the offense, uh, with offenses, but also – just you know, what it could mean for him uh, and, and just the way that he's been portrayed and, and how he's played uh, in, you know, just his development, what it could be for the next level. Sure. So I think it's a, a pretty ringing endorsement, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> obviously, the more you listen to football, the more you talk about it uh, within it, within the media. Um, the fullback really is kind of a dying position. It certainly doesn't have the prevalence that it did say 10 to 15 years ago um, when the NFL was a lot more run heavy. A lot of teams have moved to more of a spread, um, spread offense or, and, and more, more so value that roster spot, either with an additional receiver um, on the roster or teams will carry tight ends and use them in, in H back or fullback type roles rather than having a traditional fullback. A lot of it has to do with um so with the current NFL landscape, you're just not going to use fullbacks a ton. So when you do carry them on your roster, when you think enough of one to have him on your roster, he needs to be uh, – well, first and foremost, he needs to be able to, to be a good blocker. Um, in the run game, that's the most common use for a fullback. Uh, so so that's a big part of it. When you use a fullback in the run game, you're a bit more able to dictate to the defense what type of personnel that they use based on the personnel that you are using. So you can be a bit of a game plan piece that way. Uh, the other thing, is, and as Badger fans have seen, Alec Ingold is extremely adept uh, at handling the ball, uh, having it in his hands. It's never, it's it's not a liability. He hasn't had fumbling issues. Um, he's both an effective receiver as well as he is as a runner, um, a former a tailback as a freshman. Um, and that's something that, Again, is valuable. You see it with the San Francisco 49ers. They they use Kyle Juszczyk in that way. He's a, a bit of a large chess piece for them um, and able to do a lot of different stuff and really kind of stress the defense and make them remain honest. Uh, and then so he can be, uh, be valuable that way. And, again, he's going to be a core special teamer. He'll be on every single special team. Um, and, and you've got to have that type of versatility to be a fullback in the NFL. And like I said, to warrant that roster spot. So, um, I think it means, um, a good bit for him to be the only one invited to the game. I think it's a, an endorsement of him. Um, and I guess it, it really shows that, um, you know, some teams in the NFL will still, um, still kind of appreciate how Wisconsin plays. Obviously they're not always the most, 
um, forward, I guess, modern thinking on offense, but certainly the, the NFL still values the fullback position to at least some extent and, and to be able to have him there um, and, and be the sole true fullback um, in the game. Um, I think both is a, is a, a testament to the Badgers coaching staff and their ability to develop Alec uh, as a fullback, as well as still kind of a, a glimmer of hope, I guess, for the position that it's not completely gone. Um, it's still there. I know three of the four teams that were in the final four for the NFL still frequently use a fullback. Um, and it's, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's extremely complimentary in my opinion for him to be down here. The, uh, the South team used Trev, uh, Trayvon Wesco, who is a bit of a, a move tight end H back type, um, player out of West Virginia for them. But he even is at, at six three two seventy as more of a, an inline tight end type. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds um, like it. So, so yeah, Ingold's a bit of a, a unique piece here. Um, and yeah, certainly, um, like I said, an endorsement and a compliment to his skill set. I believe he had, I'm, I'm reaching here, but I believe like 20 something touchdowns on like 130 or so like career touches, which is really a, a remarkable touchdown rate. Um, and then shows that shows the, the ability that Ingold has as an offensive weapon to impact the game and more so than just special teams and blocking. Yeah, absolutely. And so that'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, as well. And here is Alec Ingold talking with Owen Reese uh, earlier this week, like I said, on, on Tuesday here on Bucky's fifth podcast. All right. Down here in Mobile, Alabama at the Reese's senior bowl with Badger fullback, Alec Ingold. Um, just to start with, how's this experience been? This is a, it's a bit of a, for those unfamiliar, it's a bit of a unique environment. Um, you're walking around other players. You're walking around coaches, general managers. How has that experience been these couple days that you've been on here? Uh, it's been a whirlwind, I think. You know, I got in a little late. I got in yesterday morning, so I got in, did my physical, and then I was down in team meetings and interviews for the entire day, probably 12 hours. So. Absolutely. Um, you've had one of the more unique, I would say, careers uh, of, of a lot of the, the Badger players. Um, a four-year guy, but obviously a guy you – weren't initially going to come to Wisconsin when Coach Chris came. He flipped you to Wisconsin. You came in as a linebacker, then you were moved to tailback for half of the season, and then you went to fullback, and you were behind. So I guess, how how were you able to make the most of what's been a, an extremely unconventional, unordinary career, and then really kind of optimize that and end up here? You're the only fullback invited, true fullback invited here to the Senior Bowl. I guess how was you? What mindset did you take to to kind of navigate that path that's kind of been in and out, kind of an ending in your career here at the Senior Bowl? Uh, I think it's it's a good end to the college career and everything, but um, I think this whole process has really taught me how to just play football, play the game. You know, a lot of guys can get tied into their position, what they're doing, but um, getting a general sense of everything that's going on, um, you know, understanding a whole offense, a whole defense, um, adjustments in-game, just being able to put that kind of all together and be a glue for, for a team, get plays started for JT out back there in the backfield is you know, that's kind of where I made my bread and butter. So, What does it mean to you to be the only true fullback invited here? Obviously, fullback's a position where, depending on who you talk to, it's either being phased out of the league, but then you look at the teams that are late in the playoffs, a lot of them feature a fullback. So um, obviously it means a lot, or the, the senior bowl thought a lot of you to be the only one invited here. What does that mean to you? Uh, I think it's just another opportunity to show myself, uh, prove prove that I can, I can play this position in the NFL. Um, you know, got to show myself in interviews and on practice and on game day that, you know, I'm, 
I'm here to play, I'm here to make a roster, I'm here to be here for the long haul. So I think it's just an opportunity to get in front of these guys in a competitive environment and show you know, I'm going to be scrappy, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. All right, one last question, we'll get you out of here. Um, what's one thing, so the media and, and the fans mostly see one side of Coach Chris. Um, what's one thing that the average fan doesn't know, he can be a bit grumpy during press conferences at times or he'll be a bit short. What's one thing that you guys as a player um, see that different side of Coach Chris? What's one thing that would really surprise um, the average fan about Coach Chris? I think, you know, he's, he smiles and laughs a lot more than people think. Um, when he's around the guys, you can tell he's happy. Um, and it's a general happiness that you're in the locker room with him. And he, he cares so much about that environment. And who's in there that it's really cool to play for a guy like that because I don't know anything else but you know a lot of guys from just talking in my short time training with these guys it's not everywhere so I, I feel very blessed and I thought that was normal but it's really not so it's very cool and folks we're gonna wrap up the show Owen man uh, hopefully you're hopefully you're enjoying the weather down there and you know before we let you go to kind of a cool thing coming up uh for Bucky's fifth podcast uh won't go too that's too many details but we're going to be joining the SB Nation team brands network so uh you guys you guys probably will have to download uh, resubscribe if you guys subscribe to the podcast uh you'll have to do that uh but uh, you know we it'll be a lot more contact when content we're going to have a lot more resources at our disposal uh Owen you and I are going to be co-hosting this uh every every you know every week at least uh, maybe more depending upon what happens during the season for football uh, I'm excited man Absolutely yep uh it's it's uh, a fun opportunity um obviously an opportunity for growth uh for Bucky's fifth quarter as well as us um I know obviously you've been doing the podcasting I've been on a few times but I'm more than happy to uh to get started with that obviously some more badger coverage um and especially the SB Nation um, brand site, I know it's is a, is a successful platform. Um, right now in Mobile, I'm staying down here with Michael Kist, who is the um, like the head podcast guy for Bleeding Green Nation, which is the Philadelphia Eagles SB Nation yep, site. Yep. Um, and I know they have they they're a, a top 100 sports podcast nationally. So um, certainly a, a great medium for us to be being joined in with, and a, like I said, a good opportunity for both for, for growth for us and, and as well as um, for a growth of content and a growth of coverage that um, that those who enjoy Bucky's fifth quarter will have access to. Absolutely. And on that note, folks, we're going to let you go because Owen's got to get uh, get some relaxing done after some hard work on his end uh, down, down there in Mobile. Uh, we'll have a couple articles up on Bucky's fifth, podcast, uh, Bucky's fifth quarter regarding with Alec Ingold, uh, Bo Benchwall, Michael Dieter, uh, you know, we'll have some articles. There were some quotes uh, from the from the interviews you just heard. We'll also, uh, you know, obviously coming up, uh, combine ahead, NFL draft, uh, and also probably later this weekend, I'll have a, a separate podcast up talking some basketball. Uh, but you heard from Mike Apata earlier, uh, and for us, just uh, follow us on Twitter at B5Q for Re, uh, for Owen. It's at Reese Draft, and for me, it's Jay Coco B5Q. Uh, and uh, subscribe to this podcast for now. But uh, we'll let you know when we transfer over to the Team Brands uh, Network, and we'll let you know ASAP and what to do and how to subscribe that way. So uh, with for Owen Reese, this is Jay Kokorowski. Guys, have a great rest of the week. Stay warm if you're in the state of Wisconsin or the Midwest in general. Uh, stay cold, stay bundled up, and we'll catch you guys next time on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. <laughs>